It's Friday, August the 13th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, the Taliban claim Kandahar and America's population diversifies. First, the world in brief. After weeks of fighting, the Taliban claim to have captured Kandahar, Afghanistan's second largest city, and Herat, its third. That would mean that militants have taken control of 12 of 34 provincial capitals in a week. The government still controls Kabul, the capital, Mazari Sharif, the fourth largest city, and Lashkar the capital of Helmand province. All are swamped with refugees and are effectively under siege. America is conducting airstrikes and has redeployed troops in preparation for the evacuation of its embassy staff and Afghans who worked for US forces. The Taliban have promised to rule mercifully in the towns it has captured, although tales of summary executions and forced marriages have emerged. America's white population fell over the past decade, the first time it has declined. The Census Bureau reported that overall population growth slowed to 7.4%, the lowest rate since the 1930s. That is a product of declining fertility and immigration. Parts of the South and West got more populous. The Villages, a retirement community in Florida, was the fastest-growing metropolitan area. Lee Jae-yong, the de facto boss of Samsung, South Korea's largest conglomerate, was released from prison after being granted parole. Mr Lee was convicted in 2017 for bribing Park Geun-hye, then the country's president. He had wanted to gain his support for a merger. The justice minister said he had considered the well-being of South Korea's economy when issuing the pardon. Disney reported higher-than-expected revenue of $17 billion in the quarter ending in early July, delighting investors. An end to pandemic restrictions brought fund seekers back to its theme parks and moviegoers to cinemas. The segment, including parks and consumer products, returned to profitability for the first time in a year. Disney Plus, its streaming service, notched 12 million subscribers, bringing the total to 116 million. America's Supreme Court rejected a request to block Indiana University's requirement that students be vaccinated for COVID-19. Eight students sued the university, saying the mandate violated their constitutional rights. Justice Amy Coney Barrett, acting alone, disagreed. More than 670 colleges and universities have instituted a similar policy. It was the first legal test of a COVID-19 vaccination mandate to come before the justices. Britain's economy grew by 4.8% in April and June compared with the previous quarter, as restaurants, pubs, hairdressers and other non-essential businesses reopened after lockdown. The economy is still 4.4% smaller than it was before the pandemic struck, and there are fears that further recovery could be slowed by the spread of the Delta variant over the summer. The Chinese Communist Party announced a new five-year economic plan that strengthens its grip on crucial sectors, including technology and healthcare. It follows a recent clampdown on China's tech giants, which caused the valuation of companies like Ant Group, DD Global and Tencent to plunge dramatically. The party said it aims to create a regulatory environment suitable to, quote, meet people's ever-growing demands for a good life. And fact of the day, 1.4 million, the number of backlogged cases in American immigration courts. And now, here's today's agenda. A booster shot. Obamacare's expansion in America. Job losses during the pandemic caused hardship everywhere. But layoffs carried extra risk in America, where employers provide most people's health insurance. 
President Joe Biden, eager to avoid a rise in unemployment swelling the ranks of the uninsured, duly stepped in. He temporarily raised subsidies for low-income people who buy their coverage through exchanges established by the Affordable Care Act, Barack Obama's signature healthcare reform. Mr Biden also extended the enrollment period, which ends this week. Some middle-income earners, making as much as 400% of the federal poverty line, $106,000 for a family of four, who were previously ineligible for aid, became eligible for it. A few million people took advantage. Mr Biden's changes were the heftiest expansion of the ACA to date. Democrats talk of making the subsidies permanent. Yet about 30 million Americans are still uninsured. Half of them are eligible for free coverage, but probably do not know it because of the lack of government advertising. That is a problem of information, not of cost. Adios Aztecs. 500 years since the fall of Tenochtitlan. Many historians date modern Mexico to 500 years ago today, when Spain conquered the great Aztec capital of Tenochtitlan, modern-day Mexico City. With its fall tumbled the empire. Mexico will remember the brutality of colonial rule. Yet it will also celebrate the cultural diversity it created, especially Mestizaje, the race born of unions between indigenous people and their European colonizers. Mexico is unique among countries of the former Spanish Empire in having made such intermingling an official ideology. Yet just as the Spanish, with their local allies, subjugated the indigenous people, as well as killing off many more by introducing smallpox, today the mainly white upper-class Mexicans live better than their poorer, mainly darker-skinned compatriots. President Andreas Manuel López Obrador has pointed out this inequality, among others. But beyond symbolic gestures, such as demanding an apology from Spain in 2019, and changing a few road names, he has done little to address them. Buyers beware. The global housing boom. Many Americans fret about rising consumer price inflation. But should they be more worried about property prices going through the roof? Buoyed by ultra-low interest rates, American house prices rose by 11% in the 12 months to May, even when adjusted for consumer price inflation. The Economist's Global House Price Index, tracking 26 countries, finds real values to have increased by 7.1% on average over the latest year for which data are available. Central bankers, including at America's Federal Reserve, feel uneasy about this dizzying rise, which threatens a boom, a bubble and then a bust that could damage financial stability. In June, the Bank for International Settlements, the Central Bankers Bank, said that since the beginning of the pandemic, house prices have risen more than fundamentals, such as borrowing costs and rents would imply. Prices are more than 20% above their long-run average when compared with rents in 15 of the 25 markets that The Economist has data for, and in 10 of 23 markets against household incomes. Crushing it. National security trials in Hong Kong. Two of the men who ran Apple Daily, Hong Kong's last pro-democracy newspaper, are back in court today on national security charges. Ryan Law, the editor-in-chief, and Cheong Kim Hung, the chief executive, stand accused of collaborating with foreign forces. Supposed evidence comes in the form of articles published by the paper calling for sanctions against Hong Kong's government. Their boss, Jimmy Lai, a media tycoon, is awaiting trial on similar charges. Six other staff are also in prison or on bail. Apple Daily ceased publishing in June after its assets were frozen and its staff were arrested. 
Many Hong Kongers mourned the loss of the paper and the era of relative political freedom it represented. China's Communist Party and its supporters in Hong Kong see things differently. The party claims the paper was a quote, propaganda tool for quote, anti-China and destabilizing forces at home and abroad. For that, it would expect the strictest of punishments. Footnotes Our correspondent on Germany's uncertain election The reins to Europe's biggest economy are on the ballot. After four consecutive terms as Germany's Chancellor, Angela Merkel is retiring. An election on September 26th will determine her successor. Our new forecasting model blends polling and predictive indicators to estimate which parties stand to gain or lose. Wendelin von Bredo, one of our correspondents in Berlin, has been providing context on Germany's fragmented political scene and the uncertain contest. Germany's polarising Chancellor is one of the most discussed, yet least understood, leaders in the world. Miss Merkel's authorised biography, written by Stefan Cornelius, a German journalist and reviewed by The Guardian, guides readers through her ideological path and worldview. Wendelin found the reporting of Derek Scali, the Irish Times Berlin correspondent, useful. She also found that of Guy Chazan, the Financial Times Berlin bureau chief, helpful to understand national political sentiment. Our model indicates that three putative coalitions have a chance of mustering a majority of seats. Each embodies distinct values. Neil McGregor, a British historian who was the founding director of the Humboldt Forum in Berlin, argues that decades of instability preclude Germans from sharing a single cohesive history. His book, Germany, Memories of a Nation, which explores the country's modern identity, was published in conjunction with his radio series. Many of Wendelin's sources were in German. For those who share her fluency, she recommends Die Welt's special podcast about the federal parliamentary election. There's also the English-language international section of Der Spiegel, a German weekly news magazine known for its investigative journalism. Summer Quiz the winners week four. This week we randomly picked winners from the hundreds of correct entries and are crowning one for each continent. First, the answers. The Bruce Willis film marketed in China with the plot spoiling title He's a Ghost was The Sixth Sense. Mike Mansfield succeeded Lyndon Johnson as Senate Majority Leader in 1961. Baby Spice's real name is Emma Bunton. And marches celebrating LGBTQ culture are pride marches. The theme connecting them all is... Jane Austen novels. Kudos and celebrations for our knowledgeable winners. Asia, Nuan Senaratna, Colombia, Sri Lanka. Africa, Martin Nicole, Cape Town, South Africa. North America, Svenji Bilen, State College, Pennsylvania, United States. South America, Jennifer May, Brasilia, Brazil. Europe, Andy Dixon, Chester, Britain. Oceania, Anne Bell, Sydney, Australia. And no one wrote in from Antarctica, so bragging rights go to the Penguins. Thank you to Austin and everyone who joined in this week. Stay tuned for an even trickier set of questions next week. Finally, here's the quote of the day from William Blake, who died on this day in 1827. The man who never alters his opinion is like standing water and breeds reptiles of the mind. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, 
you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download the Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.